Saturn, I always say is kind of like the mean teacher of our planetary system. It's like that professor that's so hard on you, but you're grateful you took the course because you come out stronger. Hi, I'm Gemma Petherbridge, and this is the Higher Self School podcast. Each month we explore topics that are perfect for the spiritually inclined and curious. So if you're part of the awakened generation, this podcast is perfect for you. Hi everybody and welcome back. So to continue our month talking all things psychic development, today we have Card CB joining us. She's an international tarot reader, celebrity tarot reader, and has just launched her new book, The Saturn Diaries, A Modern Day Grimoire. This is a really fun interview, which if you're into tarot reading in particular, you are absolutely gonna love. Now, and also she's asked me to just flag up with you. If you happen to be in the Toronto area on the 26th of October, so this month, she will be there doing one of her book launch events. So hopefully some of you can attend. If you do, please tag us in to your Instagram pics so we can see. But for now, enjoy this episode. She is lovely, you're gonna love it. Okay, Rebecca, welcome, how are you? Hey Gemma, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for reaching out. It's um, it's been lovely getting to know you by good old Instagram, but also thank you for sending me your brand new book, which the, the title I was saying to you before, people are gonna love, especially in this country because it's such an in topic right now. So it's the Saturn Return Diaries, a modern day grimoire. So thank you for sending it to me, but also congratulations for the launch of your book. How has it been? Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been great. And what it's so it's funny to like, you know, um that that you're giving the compliment on the title. I really appreciate that because a lot of people have asked, you know, why did you call it the Saturn Diaries when they're not aware of the Saturn return? And mm. it's basically something that we have every 27 to 31 years when Saturn returns to the place we were born. So we have one at that like, you know, end of our 20s, early 30s, a second in um end of our 50s to early 60s. And if we're lucky, you know, like a third, like Betty White in our in our 90s and um it's just a really massive deep dive into what is aligned and not aligned in our life because saturn i always say is kind of like the mean teacher of our planetary system it's like that professor that's so hard on you but you're grateful you took the course because you come out stronger and that's kind of the the my memoirs around how my life completely changed and transitioned as a result of my saturn return and i think that so many people whether you're technically in one right now or whether you've just experience those massive ego deaths because of the changes in the world from 2020 till today it's yeah. um it's, it's a really um relevant topic regardless just to look at where are we being challenged to assess what's in alignment for us now if things are being pulled out the ego deaths that may occur with that but it's also opening a pathway to coming much more into our own authenticity Brilliant explanation. Thank you. Can we delve slightly more into what? So I can imagine people saying, "What's an ego death?" Because that is, and it's 
it's life changing as your book shows, isn't it? So could you explain that process to people? What happens or yeah. give an example? Oh, absolutely. And I think, again, I think many of us, whether you're technically in a Saturn return right now or not, have gone through that in the past couple of years. And, and it, basically experiencing an ego death is anything that we have kind of grabbed onto as part of our identity. So for example, when I went through my Saturn return, I lost my big corporate VP job in fashion. Um, my ex asked for a divorce, which I was identified as like, oh, I would, one of the first things I would say is I'm, I'm the creative director and global vice president of Playboy and, yeah. you know, would, would talk about my spouse. So all of these things that I was like, this is me that like these things qualify who I am were pulled out of, of my life. And that plus then I, I launched my own laundry line that was pulled out. And so this big, having this big splashy, like kind of Carrie Bradshaw-esque life in Manhattan was pulled out from under me. And I was like, without all these titles, without this money, without these like connections and relationships, who am I? And I think that many of us have seen that again, since the pandemic, because people losing their jobs, people being forced into lockdown with maybe a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, partner that was not in alignment. And that's kind of a lot like Saturn return when it's all yeah. of like, Hey, is this really what you want to do for a living? Is this really who you want to be with? And I think that then when we're, when we're facing that, or if things are pulled out from us in an ego death, it's like, wait a minute, kind of getting your grounding and getting your bearings again of like, what, what am I truly without these titles, these, these relationships, these things that I thought defined me. That is probably one of the best explanations of that that I've heard. And it is, it's the labels that we say that we are, isn't it? And yeah. if we don't have them, like, oh, then what are we? And and I've not put two and two together and considered that, of course, lockdown was a different version of a Saturn return. It was when we all sat there going, okay, this is my life. Who am I sat next to? What is going on? Am I, can I sustain this for months? Am I Okay. Yeah, I, again, I imagine people are straight away like, oh, that definitely happened to me at that time. OK, yeah. before we go really into your story, which is what the book's about. And I, as you know, I'm going to lead we're going to lead everybody through so we can hear all the different aspects of what happened so they can understand it for themselves as well. Now, you've got two, well, you've got an alias, haven't you? So we're calling you Rebecca, but also Card CB, which I love. And well, one of my questions I was messaging you before is which one would you like to be referred to? So we started saying Rebecca, but now as we're getting to know you, could you explain your alias? Because I think people will love that. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how people know me um, in mm -hmm. terms of like my author name and my tarot name. And it was when I was starting out because I had part of my big um, Saturn return and my ego death was I was pulled out of the fashion industry, which is what I studied in university. And it's what I had this, you know, like high executive level career. Then I launched my own line that completely failed. And I, at the lowest point had like 200 and some dollars in my bank account. And as I was coming through this dark night of the soul, the thing that really was healing for me was pulling a tarot card a day. And that's kind of how I didn't expect this to be my full-time career. I'm so grateful that this is what I get to write about, that I get to work one-on-one -on -one with people through intuitive coaching and doing tarot readings. Um, but when I was launching that, I almost was like, mm, I, I want that to be separate from my fashion identity because I was, I was a little bit like, okay, I want, I want to start this completely fresh and clean as a new, as a new slate, as a new website, as a new Instagram, everything. And I didn't know what to call it. All of my friends forever used to jokingly call me Miss Cleo because it's that kind of like iconic cheesy US psychic that was on the yeah. one 900 commercials back in the day. And, you know, one of my friends joked, well, like Miss Cleo's taken. 
And it's actually um, one of my good friends came up with Cardsy B. She was like, and we were just sitting there like, what, what, what am I going to call this Instagram? What am I going to call my business? And then people started calling me that because that was my Instagram handle. And then my, my podcast is Hex in the City by Cardsy B. And so now people call me both. So whenever people ask, do you prefer Rebecca or Cardsy B? I'm like, people literally call me both. So I, I answer to both. And that's kind of what my like tarot career has launched under. And it was cool to be able to be almost rebirthed in, in a new way under that and start completely fresh. I, I can completely resonate. There is definitely energy in a name, isn't it? So I imagine that really felt like that Phoenix from the ashes moment. It's like, this is who I am now. Okay, so now we've forgot the backstory. We understand a bit more about what a Saturn return is, uh, your two different names. So I bet a lot of people now, ah, oh, that's who you are. Okay, I'm going to ask you, we're going to work through your book and I'm going to ask you to share different aspects. Now, what I loved about this book as I opened it, the chapter titles. Um, I'm constantly, I love tarot myself. I love reading tarot, doing oracle card readings, and I'm surrounded by everybody also loves doing them. Your titles of your book are tarot cards, aren't they? So straight away, even before I started to read the book, I was like, oh, I can see the story. I can see within the cards, I can see what you're going to be saying, which is a really lovely gift for those people in this industry. So can we start though? with the prologue of your book. So who you were before you got into the fashion industry, so the school age. Yeah, so um, first thing, like thank you for acknowledging the the call out of the, the tarot cards because I, I kind of tied in a theme that was occurring through each chapter with a card title. And that way, whether like us, we're in the industry and we're like, okay, I kind of get the idea of the mood or the theme of this chapter or people that are wanting to learn the tarot. I've had a lot of people contact me after and say, I learned through this book because I saw how, you know, 10 of swords showed up in a dark That's moment. Me. And now I understand that or how the hero fan showed up in like, an aha, you know, a big change yeah. in revelation. Um, so yeah, it's, I feel like that's like a little hidden, it's kind of like hiding the vitamins and the healing codes in, in the pudding where it's like a little hidden lesson in there. So thanks for calling that out. Um, but yeah, in terms of the beginning of my journey, a lot of people will ask, um, how did you get involved with tarot? And even though I really created this as my career over the past, I don't know, five or six years, um, it really started as, as a kid, I was very drawn to tarot astrology. It's nothing in my family. I come from like very rural middle of Pennsylvania, um, parents that had nothing to do with the metaphysical or esoteric world. I'm grateful that they were very open-minded and that when I would save my allowance at nine to 10 years old and buy tarot decks and like crystal books and astrology books, they were like, okay, I guess she's reading, you know, <laughs> like she's learning something. Um, but I taught myself to read. And that's kind of one of those things where I do really believe in past life skill sets coming back because it was very intuitive. I, I was was like, yeah, like nine, 10 and playing with the cards and just kind of taught myself. And then it was something that wasn't cool back then. And like the eighties, early nineties, the way that like, I'm so grateful it's cool and very accessible everywhere now. Um, but as a result of that, it kind of fell off. So as I moved through my school years into like, you know, teenage and like trying to fit in with the cool kids and then going off to university, I really didn't revisit it until I was an adult. And then it came back into my life through just like a sequence of signs and events, like after that big dark night of the soul, where I'm like, oh, this is something that used to tap me into my intuition. And I think it's showing up on my journey again for a reason. It's something I felt a lot of confidence and like good at in terms of being able to intuit and channel and also like mm, it keeps popping up. I think this is me I'm meant to work with it again. I love that. And the, uh, for me, reading that part of your book, 
it it took me back to a similar age when the craft was in remember yeah. the film the craft and that was finally <laughs> a moment where kids like us were like thank you there is a film that I can yes. get I love we're this not film. crazy yes yeah. totally and you speak about feeling like you didn't fit in like you were different to the other kids and again that's why I wanted to highlight it with people as I think anyone who's in this industry potentially had a similar start where it's like oh I've got these interests and then society's like no 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 come over here do this stuff but it comes back doesn't it so and yeah. this is this is what we're going to talk about now okay so that's the prologue and then we're going to move on I'm going to let you share what you'd like to share for the second bit so then we move on to the tower so do you want to explain what that is and then yeah so a lot of, of what was going on at that moment Thank you. Yeah, the tower. I mean, it's pretty, I think even people not in tarot, just from like being in the somewhat exposed to the wellness space, a lot of people have an understanding of the archetype of the tower of when everything collapses. It is that moment of like, you know, having things pulled out. So it starts literally with me, you know, going like real realizing I'm getting divorced, that I'm having to like divide up like the, the, the assets in that, that I'm having to decide what does my life look like without my, without my ex-wife. I had just um, like had my, my big VP job pulled out from under me and I'm kind of like what does life look like so it was really the tower is kind of like the collapse of those ego deaths and you're standing in the rubble and I was still very deep in my um, addiction specifically to alcohol and Xanax at that time and I was not I, I didn't look at this and think like oh wow I need to learn the lessons there's a there's a saying I don't remember if it's Oprah or Maya Angelou but a saying of life will speak to us in a whisper and then an audible tone and then a shout if we continue to disregard yes. and I mean the universe had to like beat the symbols and drums and be like wake the f up because i was still um you know medicating with with alcohol and self-sabotaging behaviors and toxic relationships at that time so the the tower and the first part of the book is really like okay these things are being pulled out what do you do with that information and I, um, throughout the book, in addition to each of the chapters being, um, a tarot card, there's also kind of like, um, a spell an elixir, something that I happened upon along the way. So it's in, in, in the, the tower, the first part of the book, a lot of them are a little bit more, um, like simpler or things that showed up unexpectedly. Cause I was completely closed off to kind of like the healing at that time. I was unaware of, I was just like, I'm in this mess. I I'm, don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to duct tape my life together. And so for example, even the first chapter is is just um my my best friend at the time had referenced putting cinnamon in your coffee in the morning helps to heighten intuition and i was like well i need any help i can get so i i break down this latte that i used to make at that time for heightening intuition coming back into uh, um like just more presence and awareness and it's something i still do to this day so little little elixirs that showed up like that rituals and then they kind of become a little bit more deeper throughout throughout the book as i'm discovering and kind of peeling away layers of my healing journey I like that. And I saw that progression. I mean, you won me over instantly. You and I both clearly love coffee. Yes. So the first one is a coffee recipe. And I'm like, hello, this is my kind of book. But yes, it does. I mean, I've literally, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you is the final part of the grimoire aspect, because it's so woo woo and witchy and people that listen to this kind of podcast, they're going to love it. But yes, definitely, you could see your progression. As you were delving into things, it gets a bit more sort of 
witchy doesn't it the aspects yeah. you bring in so, so. so yeah the the dark night of the soul tower part was kind of like I was almost had like half half my eye open like I was like something's got to change but I don't know what so that and the grimoire aspect you can kind of see the progression and then um yeah the second part the moon I believe that's when it was really like okay something needs to shift and the moon is the energy and the tarot of kind of like sifting through illusion and like the the light and the shadow coexisting but kind of like where where are we going to take that information and how are we going to move through that illusion and at the lowest point like trigger warning I mean it does it does get dark like I um had like I mentioned like 200 and think 37 dollars in my bank account I was really deep in my alcohol addiction um I was living in squalor I was living in 300 square feet with cockroaches rat holes rats um like a carbon monoxide leak in my apartment because that's all I could afford at that point and I after just like a really a bit like night of binge drinking on like free drinks because like just knowing people in the fashion industry woke up in a place I didn't know or recognize and I was like this I can't continue like this and I had plans to to commit suicide that day and through a sequence of events which I'm obviously very grateful for um there was there was outside uh, like unexpected intervention in that day and it and I decided if I'm going to stay in this lifetime if I'm going to tap back in I need to heal so that was really the moon phase of that of kind of like okay I'm sifting through a lot of illusion but there's light coming in and there's a reason that I'm seeing this and that that something needs to shift so it's kind of the like the first stage of the book the tower it's the collapse but still a lot of like messy sometimes fun debauchery that I was like in denial um and then really the lessons came in for me where I was able to process and digest it in the second piece of it the the moon and then the the sun the third phase of the book is kind of the like taking that healing and stepping stepping into this as my purpose work you want to speak more about that then especially the the healing what did you do I know you've got a story is it Costa Rica is it yeah. yeah. So that was one of the biggest things. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of work on one of my, you know, my, my, my biggest, um, kind of shadow pieces at that time were definitely my addiction. And I had long-term struggled with generalized anxiety disorder. And I had been meditating and kind of all the free tools I could access because I had such little money at that time. And I was kind of scraping things together and taking freelance jobs and little gigs here and there just to rebuild my life. And as I um, started to get more consistent, freelance work in the fashion industry, I saved up money to go to Costa Rica um, because I had been really curious about plant medicine, specifically ayahuasca. And that was for me, I always say it's like, you know, if it's meant to be your path, it's certainly not for everybody, but it was a big game changer for me. And plant medicine has been such a healing modality ever since then in my life. And that was really, I think the biggest piece to me, healing a lot of trauma and seeing how I mistreated myself. And that was kind of what shifted the, the addiction for me. Like I've been um, alcohol free, like, you know, substance free for whatever that is like five years, I guess, since then. Um, and that was really the moment where I didn't have like the desire even anymore. Cause I looked at it in terms of how I was treating my body. And, and since then I also became plant-based, there's a lot of things I changed as a result of just, um, having a lot more kindness and love and higher regard for my physical being. What's so, and do you find, especially because I'm guessing with your tarot, so like you were saying before, there's the intuition aspect to it. There's using them as the tools. So do you find the more you sort of do the plant-based and stuff like that, is it heightening your intuition as well? Does um, it help with that aspect? 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it did. Cause it was something that came through so much as a child and like mm-hmm. my parents, like in a well-meaning way, like they didn't really know what to do with it. And they would always be like, Oh, she's so sensitive. She's so high maintenance because I would see things. And even I remember like one specific road near a house, I would always say like, guys, I don't like to go that way. Like bad things happen there. And it was just the sense of like, like death and like darkness. And they were like, Oh, she's so high maintenance. We've got to go the long way. Cause she doesn't like to drive this way. And, um, so I think that I had shut it down as an adult. And that was a lot of my substance abuse was like not wanting to feel things that didn't feel good energetically, Mm -hmm. or that I didn't feel like I had a sense of choice or power over. So I was like, well, I'd rather just not know. And numbing out was like easier for me at that time. So big part of like tapping more into it is definitely like, um, being so clean with my body. And then in working with plant medicine, I think it does, um, for me specifically, I find that it helps with surrender and surrender in all senses of our life is so empowering because it helps the flow of information of not like having our ego fight it or mistrust yeah. it. So that that's how I do see it um, impacting my my intuitive gifts more as it's kind of like opening up the channel more clearly and the surrender to receiving. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that I just want to make sure I highlight to everybody how maybe, I mean, you had the career that we are all told to strive for (laughs) really and you still do like you know the career that people like us strive to have but (laughs) you know when we go through school we go into university you very much had created that and you were very very successful and I think you're doing multiple different things as well weren't you so it's for those listening it's just your story is so powerful to show for one what can happen with a Saturn return because it is a giant can be a giant shift but also the positive outcome where you are now. Yeah, thank you so much. And you know, one of the things that like, I always say through that is in some ways at the time, it definitely didn't feel like it. Mm -hmm. But in some ways, I feel lucky that it was just kind of pulled from me, seemingly, because I think that it was a hard choice to, to, to make to leave that and I'm so much more in my purpose and so much more fulfilled and so grateful I get to help people every single day in this work. But I think that would have been a much harder choice had I been making that like, you know, that chunk of money, and it was Mm -hmm. just continuous, and I didn't have to decide. And I really applaud the people people that survive the things being pulled out like myself, but also the people that are saying like, everything's good on the surface and maybe I'm crazy, but I don't want to do this anymore. And I've seen a lot of that, you know, since, since the pandemic of kind of like, again, Mm -hmm. people being squeezed through lockdowns, through, um, conditions shifting in their homes and, and their industries. And I think that that, like a lot of people having that moment over the past couple of years of like, even if it's like there and maybe they're still job, their job is secure. They're like, I don't know that this is fulfilling. I don't know if this is the path I want to go. And I I applaud the people that are willing to take the look at that and make those changes too. That's yes. I, I, so my, my background's like yours. I had a tower moment. It all came crumbling down and it's like, and I was literally homeless. It's like, right. Yeah. What do I do now? But you're right. If everything is as is, but you know, you need to step sideways or take that leap. Yes, honor those people as well because oh, that's that's hard and brave. Yeah, and, it's so yeah, brave for them. Yeah, I feel like yeah, like you and I, even though it was like so brutal and definitely admirable, it's like we we almost were like okay, well now like when everything's pulled, it's there's only there's only one way to go and it's up. You know, <laughs> there's only exactly. like what feels good from this place and like it it kind of makes you fearless once you've hit yeah. that 
like points of like severe rock bottom you're like well I've lost everything so I know what I'm, rock bottom is right now so yeah. like I said let's go upwards yes yeah, definitely, definitely. definitely okay so like I was saying society kind of tells us that you we can't do woo woo perfection and I like to use the word woo woo forgive me if it's you're yeah. not a fan yeah. but it sums it up in my <laughs> no, in no. my world that, that this isn't an industry where you can make a living and I think slowly people are starting to prove that completely wrong, you being one of those people. So could you share with everybody what your day's like now or your working week and what it is like to be a full-time tarot reader? Yeah. And I, you know what? I, I didn't even, I have to say, I didn't even think like, I didn't set the goal of like, oh my God, this is going to be this like big six figure career. When I started, I just did it because I had hit the rock bottom. I was like, you know, anything's up from here. I was literally at my lowest point, which, you know, from the book, taking jobs off of Craigslist in the U S which is like random gigs. And I was like squashing foot fetish wine in a weird warehouse for like an hourly rate for some guy making like foot fetish wine. So I was like, I'm just so grateful to be doing this work and getting paid. I, at the beginning of this I didn't see that and I'm so blessed every day the the career that I've created now um but I think that it was just surrendering into the next best choice that helped me to do mm. that and just continuing to like expand upon that without like oh I have to make x amount like I always tell people that are looking to make a shift into spiritual entrepreneurship entrepreneurialism or any form of entrepreneurialism out of like a safer quote unquote corporate job. Um, I built myself a bridge. I didn't just leap. And like, again, accolades to anyone who feels that that's the right move to just take that leap, but it's making kind of the bridge of, I was still freelancing a little bit knowing this is going to pay the bills. And then the, the tarot work was really like my passion. And I was like, anything of that is just like an added bonus. And that's really, I built a bridge for probably like a year or two until I was full-time in this work. And now being full-time in this work to answer long answer to your question. Um, I do, I still do one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, so they're largely zoom now since the pandemic, but I do have in-person clients in Miami or when I travel, like I was just in New York and saw some in-person clients. I'll be in Toronto, um, doing like a book event there. Um, I record a weekly podcast and I also work, um, with one-on-one -on -one, uh, clients in terms of an intuitive coaching more deeply in a container month to month. So individual and a lot of them have come to me for a reading and they're like, I love the way that you read. And I'm wanting to either learn to read or just want to work more with my intuition and the things that are coming through. So I also have one-on-one um, -on -one clients. I do um, events. I've been traveling with the, the Saturn Diaries book tour. Um, so yeah, it, it, it varies, but it's, um, and I like that. I, that's, and I, I feel like, because you know, the tarot, like you'll relate to this. One of the things that I love about the tarot is I never get bored. It's like uh, um, the tarot in and of itself there's so many layers of like the numerology the astrology the archetypes the cabalistic tie-ins um but the information that comes through client to client it's like i can't predict it it comes through the moment that the client is on the other side of the table mm -hmm. or the other side of the screen and it's i'm always learning and always growing with that whereas in my corporate life, I was very good at almost like, it feels like I was like AI, like I could catch a formula and just like, okay, cool. Noted like copy and paste and like learn how to very quickly, like design the next season, like change it just enough. So it was on trend and making money. And I feel like I would get bored very quickly because of that. Like I was successful, but I was bored. So I would self-sabotage and drink and party. And I think that like my work now, um, I was just thinking that earlier today, I was like, I'm never bored. And I'm always like learning more about this, this work and also just learning more in terms of like working with the clients that I do on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Definitely. If you're, cause I do Akashic records readings and I okay. find when I'm in a reading and I'm getting information come through, I learn about aspects of life and spirituality through that person's reading. I'm like, Oh, this is new for me and this person. Brilliant. And it's, yeah. Yes. And I guess that's I what you're that. saying is that each reading is a lesson for you. I mean, we're both Sagittarius and therefore Life has to be full of lessons constantly, yes. doesn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> yes, I forgot that you're a Sag too. And that's yeah. the thing, that we do get bored easily. It's like, we'll crack the code and then it's like, okay, now I'm bored. And like, that's why a lot of Sages are actually known for addiction because then we're like, I need something else to do. <laughs> I was terrible working for other people because I would do my job and I would, like you said, I would problem solve it. So it's done super quick. And then I'd be like, can I do that person's job over there now? Can I try something else? Can I join another department and this department, please? And yeah. it's like, no, you need to be self-employed because you need yes. to be in every department. So yeah, completely get that one. Okay, yeah. so on a similar note, those people who are like, okay, I really, really want to start progressing within the industry. Have you got any advice that you could offer those people? I mean, I, I would say just um like literally the best way with anything. And people ask me that um, in terms of like the spiritual entrepreneurial piece and also like writing a book. And it's like, just start, whether it's just start writing, just start reading. If you're reading tarot, reading Oracle cards, doing sessions um, with Akashic records or whatever your area of expertise is. And I, when I started, like I was super humble. Like I was doing this. I have pictures of me, like with a little folding table on the side of the street in Hoboken, New Jersey, wasn't even Manhattan. And that was like the first place I hired it was this little tiny cafe. And I was like, I just needed, um, the practice too of, I had, I was, you know, getting accurate readings with, um, people that I knew. Um, I started to read for like colleagues in the fashion industry, but I was willing to just work to be, I was so grateful to be in this work that I was like, yeah, I will sit at this janky little folding table. And then I worked at, um, like a bar that offered tarot in the front for a while. And it was really, it, it gave me just kind of, um, the, the practice with many different walks of people before I was just doing this solely through my own, you know, my own website and my, 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 uh, like just do, doing it like under my own roof. But I would say just start in whatever way you have access to starting, even if that's initially through friends or through people that, you know, and allow yourself to see what feels good and what doesn't, because for some people, then they'll be like, I hate doing events and it's so draining and I never want to do events. That's awesome information to have. And then knowing that like, for that individual one-on-one -on -one sessions might be a lot better. Other people might say like, oh my goodness, like I, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I, I, I feel like I'm better in t a teaching environment. And I want to work with like a lot of people virtually or in a room that I can teach all at once. And I think just the diving into it and throwing ourselves into experience, you're going to learn how your skills best manifest and how you can best serve the collective. And what is a very interesting business to go into, isn't it? Because you are saying things that you know is true but those first times you say it to people especially you don't know them and there is a moment where you're saying it and you're like I hope this is correct I feel this is correct and it's it's the trusting that you're gonna like saying things out loud to other people when you're doing a reading at the beginning just to honor those who are like I'd love to do this but I just can't get to the point of speaking to a stranger my yeah. first ever experience of doing readings to strangers was I was paid to support some other um, practitioners in a nightclub um, and I was meant to just help them and then one of those people called in sick and they're like can you do readings and I'm like yes and like, off you go and I'm stood next to the DJ and they're like you need to do channeled readings go and I was just like okay yeah. and I don't know any of these people but it was the most amazing 
I, this has just got to work. But it, I'm just honoring those who are listening that trust you'll say the right things. Yes. You'll be that's, okay. Totally. And that's why I feel like the, like, I always say the, like, yeah, like throw yourself into those situations at the, yeah, like that's, that's, and the fact that you're like, if I can do this next to a DJ booth, like I can do this, like that's freaking amazing. Um, and yeah, I think the more situations we, we put ourselves into in the early stages of our business, it's kind of like, okay. And then we do trust ourselves because it's like, you're just like, for me events, I don't love, I don't love to do them now with like massive amounts of people because it, it is draining, but I, I, in the beginning it was such valuable, um, like, like education for me, because you don't have time to overthink your ego doesn't have a minute. It's kind of like, you just have to get the information for the person in front of you. And that's how I started to trust my accuracy. And through that also, um, I did get like a lot of amazing feedback and then long-term clients from, from those events too, that were like, Oh, I met you at this. And I didn't even think that I needed a session. And it was so empowering the information I received. So yeah, I would encourage people to like put themselves out there, even when it's scary, because yeah, I feel like you'll surprise yourself at being able to channel, receive the information in a way that you, that may feel limiting when you kind of put too many boundaries around it in the original mm -hmm. stages of it. That's a lovely answer. Thank you. Okay. So the other thing I know people super aspire to do and you've successfully done is to launch your own tarot deck. I'm making sure I'm saying it right. Badass bitches. Tara, yeah. people are going to laugh because you say that in a British accent and it just doesn't work. Doesn't yeah. Work. So like badass bitches tarot. There you so, go. When you say um, it, it sounds a lot better than me. So it's it's um like all iconic women as the mm. 78 cards. Because I used to like, I mean, I still do, but when I would teach small groups of of um like tarot lessons in, in New York and still when I teach or when I talk on my platforms, I I teach in this way where I would use modern archetypes because for example the hero fence just on top for me but um a lot of people are like what's a hero fence and back in the day it was like this kind of pope figure um but I always I use Oprah as the reference which it is in my yes. deck it's kind of like those like super soul lessons and the aha moments and it's like the teacher of those lessons when that comes up and it can be hard change it can be those moments of like oh I didn't like it's uncomfortable to digest that aha moment but it's going to empower you and then like the empress for example is is, um, in my deck is Angelina Jolie dressed as Tomb Raider, but like all Tomb of her because it's kind <laughs> of like that, like warrior goddess of like the divine feminine and like fertility and creation, but in a really, yeah, in a badass way, for like a better <laughs> word. Um, so yeah, my, my deck, it's kind of, uh, I, I say it's a great learning deck if you're not familiar at all with the archetypes of the tarot and being able to relate it to like, oh, this makes sense and translates to pop culture, iconography, um, and powerful women in our day and age it's a lovely way of doing it because it is finding that in isn't it it's like sometimes the traditional cards I'm a classic right away deck person I've not progressed past that I'm oh, stuck I love on it. I mean yeah and that's what I I mean I structured it around Rider Waite definitely mine mm. and that's how I learned too so I love your deck though I was looking at it online the other day and like trying to understand like, see who everybody was and I'm like oh I know people like I get why you've you've picked those women it's the most amazing could you explain the process? Like, when did you have that moment of, I am going to do my own debt? And what was the process like? 
Yeah, it was kind of another like very serendipitous one of um, like my my best friend and I were traveling together and we were this is after I was like kind of half in the fashion industry and like had had like, you know, started doing one on one sessions, but definitely was not fully supporting myself in this work yet. And we were in a uh, like a metaphysical shop and I she, I was looking I was like, I'm always buying decks, even though like you, I would always go back to Smith right away. And um, I was looking for one that was all really powerful women. And she was like, why don't you just illustrate this? Because I, I hand illustrated my deck because I illustrated in fashion. And she was like, you can illustrate, you should just do this. And I was like, yeah, it's good in theory. And it was one of those moments where it kind of plants a seed. And then maybe a few months later, I was like, you know what, I'm going to create this, even if I just teach on my Instagram and in the groups that I was teaching, I'm like, I'll just use it as my tool. And I didn't have any really like big plans beyond that. And then a publisher reached out to me because of an Instagram post or that she was following me and was like, this deck's incredible. Can we talk? And then it kind of just grew from there. But in terms of the creation process, I mean, even if you're not like illustrating it yourself, I think that it's an incredible, it's definitely worth it if it's people that um, are in, in the tarot space and wanting to create their own deck, because I, I say it was like a PhD in the tarot for me, because I thought mm -hmm. that I knew. And I like, I was really like, you know, mindfully studying each card as I was drawing it. Cause I'm like, what image do I want to pull into this? Like for me, it was like, which female um, am I being inspired to draw in this, but also just like colors, things that I was like, what do I want to keep from the original Smith Rider weight? What, what, feels important. So I think that um, whether you're drawing that yourself, whether you're art directing with an illustrator that you select, it's such a such a really beautiful process that I feel like helps me understand and read better as a result of creating the deck. Now you say that you illustrated it, you can tell there is an energy to somebody who's not just, um, you know, worked with there are some amazing illustrators out there aren't there but work with it you can see there's an essence to that deck where it's also yours like you've done the imagery as well so yeah, congratulations yeah. it's stunning and it's yeah. yeah I will make sure I link through so anyone's going okay sorry how do I get this deck it will all be in the bio with the book all of that will be there guys don't worry so to finish um We've already spoken a little bit about the grimoire aspect of the book, um, and I think people are going to love that. Could you start with explaining what a grimoire is, just so we make sure we take everybody with us? And also, if if it's okay, could you share your last part, which is um, very bind and freeze? I love this. In fact, I'm going to just share. Weirdly, I've just come back from being out with my husband, and he opened the center part of the car, like central console. Weirdly, there is a spell of mine in there. I'm like, how is that in there? And it's a binding spell. And I was like, well, that's got to be some weird science. Cinnamon binding with knots. And I think it's a protection thing I did ages ago. It's like, surely that is a lovely sign because I haven't seen that in ages. And how is it in the car? But okay. Amazing. Oh my gosh, that's like that's incredible that that happened recently yeah, too. Yeah, minutes ago. Weird. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, <laughs> that's so crazy. Um, yeah. So as I started to mention with some of the elixirs and the early stages of it, um, I kind of was recording things that were coming through to me throughout this like this process in my life, and some of them were elixirs, some of them were brief meditations, um, and some of them were were spells that I was using like to, in my in my healing journey. And one of the last 
last ones, I believe, is the one you mentioned, the berry bind or freeze. And um, yeah, in the book too, it's like divided at the end of each chapter. I think in the hardcover, it's um, black and the other pages are um, edged in pink, but white. And then the, the paperback should be in the spell pages are at the end in black. Um, but yeah, so with, with this, it's something that people often ask me of like when they're releasing or like how to transmute energy. Do you, do you bury it? Do you bind it? Are you freeze? And you could do a combination thereof. And it was, um, this was for when I was exiting New York and it was really kind of like painful for me. It was in the, the New York was very dark in 2020 and I was leaving and I was sad about it. Um, but I just kind of took everything that represented that time for me of, I think I took one of my old business cards. I took, um, like a photograph of me first moving to New York and I buried it. Like I, I, um, put it in a, in a biodegradable container and buried it for transmuting and for, for it to like be alchemized with the, the earth energy to something more beautiful, both for New York and for myself of kind of like this stage is over. I'm honoring and blessing it and allowing it to be transmuted into whatever that means for both myself and New York. So for, in that situation, I decided to bury in the book. But um, yeah, binding can be stopping someone um, or a situation from doing harm to you. Uh, so I like it's kind of like, uh, if anyone's seen the craft, that's a great example. I was going to say straight back yeah. to that phrase. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. So like, I think in the movie, they do it with scotch tape, like back in like the day, I think it originates as far as I know, in terms of like Wiccan and pagan history of like using a ribbon to bind with. Um, but yeah, in the craft, they update it with like masking tape. Um, so you can take a photo and image if that like if it was for example let's say a toxic boss you could take an image of that person or that person's business card and just wrap it in ribbon or tape and like bind that from touching your energy field in a harmful or negative way um it also helps to add to yeah to also not do harm to themselves in the process and then freezing kind of freezes the situation i have a lot of those where i um, have little jars in my freezer and i always say like if you don't own and you rent because <laughs> there was one I just left in my place in New York and of like a very um like toxic uh pseudo stalkery ex and I was like if that defrosts and this person pops up um but hopefully whoever lived there just kept it in the back of the freezer because it's all been good that since brilliant yeah it's amazing okay it has been amazing speaking to you thank you so interesting um, and classic question to end the podcast, how can people stay in contact with you? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's super easy. Everything is CardsyB, so C-A-R-D-S-Y-B. So at CardsyB on Instagram and TikTok. And then my website's just CardsyB.com. Brilliant. Thank you, Han. Lovely to speak to you. Hope yeah. to speak to you again. Good luck with the rest of the book tour. You're super Thank busy you at the so moment. Much. And to everybody else, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I will be back next week. But until then, we'll say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.